You're listening to the City Lights Podcast. We are currently in a series called Covered in Dust, a journey through the book of Matthew, looking at the life, ministry, and relationship that Jesus had with his disciples that would later bring the kingdom of heaven through normal, everyday people. Thanks for joining us. started uh, on a brand new series for 2019 that's going to last us through June, Uh, and we are going to move through the book of Matthew, um, through the book of Matthew in order and in in sequence, but thematically as opposed to going line by line, finding themes um, and really chunks of themes in in that book and kind of intertwining them together. Um, The series is called Covered in Dust, um, Following in the Footsteps of Jesus, Um, and and the, the, the hope uh, that I have for this series um, is, is to find in Matthew um, just a picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus in every moment of life. There was a saying uh, that the rabbinical tradition would use back in Jesus' day, speaking of other rabbis, rabbi just meaning the term teacher in that day, that uh, you would be, if you were following a rabbi, um, you would be covered in the rabbi's dust. The rabbinical teaching, the rabbinical pattern wasn't like, you know, going to Southside Christian School or going to Malden High School or going to a classroom with a PowerPoint and a projector. The, the teaching of a rabbi was uh, not just about uh, telling, but it was about showing. It was about uh, life on life. It was about modeling. It was about every moment of every second of every day um, was an incarnational uh, lesson. A, a, a message being uh, spread by a life lived. And so this, this blessing, this saying emerged that um, as you would follow a rabbi, any rabbi, not just Jesus, but in particular our rabbi, in this case our capital T teacher Jesus, that we wouldn't miss a moment that we would be covered in his dust. This is what the blessing would mean, that in every moment, um, and not just, not just the big moments, but in every moment, in, in the small moments, um, not just in the public moments when our heart's beating fast and when the stakes are big or when there's big decisions to be made in moving or in transition or in relationships or with marriage, but in the little moments of the way we tip at restaurants or the way that we dart our eyes left or right in what we look at when we walk down the street or the way that we use our phones in all of the moments, not just on Sundays, but from sunup to sundown, that we would be covered in the dust of our Rabbi Jesus, that would be covered in his yoke, that would be covered in everything that he is, that we wouldn't miss a moment of what Jesus would want to show us and tell us in the book of Matthew. And because the book is so long and because it goes from June to July in order to kind of create a level of comprehension uh, of the subject matter in order to really kind of understand and and maybe um, remember and retain, um, I've kind of created five different chunks or five different segments of the book um, that that are uh, oriented around different movements of the the, uh, 28 chapters in Matthew. And so we're going to get started today. Um, with kind of the first segment, which is focused on the Beatitudes. And I'm just going to do an introduction today and kind of give an oversight or overview of, of the book of Matthew or, or of the, the theme that I want to look at at least. Um, but in the next couple weeks, the first segment we want to look at is just uh, the Beatitudes. And we want to look at what does it look like to be covered in the dust of Jesus? What does it look like to be following him in every moment from the inside out? 
from the inside out. Jesus opened up um, the teachings uh, of the law on the Sermon on the Mount, and it was one of the shortest, but one of the most deep and profound sermons that Jesus ever gave. And, uh, and nine-tenths of that sermon has to do with not on the outer world, the circumstances, the things that come and go, the changes around you, but what's inside of us. And so what does it look like to follow Jesus from the inside out? And second, the second theme or segment is, is, is a series of miracles. In fact, nine different miracles um, of Jesus uh, doing the impossible and going to outsiders, going um, to people that were far from God and far from him. And, uh, and what was impossible the moment before he got there, all of a sudden it became possible. And so we want to look at that. And what does it look like to follow Jesus in his miracles, uh, to see outsiders brought in um, and following him in that way? What does it look like uh, to understand the parables? He says um, in the scriptures, like, I speak in parables so that the humble can, humble can understand it, but the proud can't. And so what does it look like to... Uh, to hear these parables and to see them, but not just read them, but to understand them. And so we're going to look at what does it look like to move and follow Jesus from the place of unbelief, from hard-heartedness to um, open-heartedness, to understand and believe not only with our minds, but with our hearts. Uh, there's another segment um, about Jesus' teaching, which talks about going from greatest to least. And finally, there's prophecies um, that litter the end of the, uh, the Matthew um, Gospel, which explains uh, what it is that um, what it is that we're waiting for, um, as Jesus has died and was buried and resurrected. What it is we do in the season of ring to wedding, um, what we do as we wait for His return. And so, um, those are the, some of the segments that I want to look at um, today. But we're going to start in Matthew chapter four. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them. And if not, we can look at them on the screen. Um, let me just pray for us, and uh, and we'll begin. And so, Jesus, my, my prayer is simply this. Um, in a room this size, um, there's many different people and many different paths, but you're speaking to each one of us in individual ways, in face-to-face -face ways, in whispering ways, in intimate and um, I-know-you ways. And so, my prayer is just for, for three different people in this room, for the, for the one that's following you, um, God, that they would be just refreshed in their following of you. That, that they would be renewed and restored in what it is that you've, you've been saying and what it is that you've been saying to them. And So I, I pray for a fresh encounter and a fresh perspective and a fresh understanding this year as we read your scriptures. And, and secondly, I pray for, for maybe some of us that just, just desire to follow you more. And some of us that, that follow you in some areas, on some days, and in some spheres of our life. But in other areas, I ask that you would, you would just encourage them and, and awaken them in the places that they're asleep. And awaken me in the places I'm asleep. And Jesus, lastly, I pray for, for somebody in this room who doesn't yet, yet know you. Maybe knows of you, but doesn't yet know what your voice sounds like. I, I pray that they would hear your voice, know that it's home and come home to you today. And I uh, ask that you would, uh, I know that you will. And I ask and I know as, as, as I pray these words that you're going to change everything for that person as you change everything for every, everyone in this room. And so we are one in this way. We are all needing your voice and we're all following your voice today through your scriptures. Um, amen. I don't know if you guys... Um, 
have anybody in your life like this, somebody that's so good at something they can't tell you how they do what they do. Um, you know, somebody who, for me, uh, understands directions, even though I'm geographically challenged, like my wife just knows where roads are. She can just go to new cities and new states and be like, I think we should turn left. And even if Siri's saying to go right, she's right and Siri's wrong. She just knows where she is all the time. My friend Timothy, you guys love Timothy, right? How about a shot for Timothy, who leads worship here? Timothy makes me angry uh, because Timothy can play music without paper. He's just playing music, and I'm like, Timothy, where's the paper at? And he's like, I don't need paper. I just play music. And Timothy doesn't just play Oasis songs from the 90s. I mean, Timothy plays R&B. He's playing classical music. He's playing jazz, and he just plays. He just knows how to play. And you ask him, like, how do you play? He's just, I just play. I just dun, 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 dun. He does a little thing with his shoulders, and he just grooves. It's like, I wish I could sing. I wish I could dance. I wish I could play. And Timothy does all those things. And I love him and kind of hate him for that. Um, I don't know if you've ever tried. Um, this is maybe something you've never done before. I was dumb enough to try it. I tried taking guitar lessons from a John Mayer story on Instagram. He was like, uh, well, it's like 2 in the morning. I don't know if you guys follow him, but he's like up at 2 in the morning sometimes just pontificating about things. And uh, he, he's, he's like, I just uh, had a lot of feedback about uh, playing solos, and so I just wanted to run over a couple of things. And so I kid you not, I'm on the thing, and I literally got my guitar out, and I'm like, John Mayer's about, I'm going to, I'm here, but I'm going to be there in just one minute. I'm going to be the next John Mayer. I'm going to play like John Mayer, because John Mayer's going to teach you the best. I'm learning from the best. I'll be the best in a moment. And his guitar lesson, I kid you not, was just him humming and playing what he's saying. The dude can literally think something and hum it. So he's like, and so he's like, and then it's like, and then he's like, and as he hums it, it just comes out of his guitar. It's just amazing. I had, uh, I had a friend who, um, this, is, this, is, this is the last I wish I could story that I'll share with you this morning, but I had a, I had a, uh, there was a, a kid, it was the pastor's kid growing up in church, um, it was about 10 years ago, and he, and I'm, I'm not kidding, he's the best looking guy I've ever met in my life. He, he, he it was hard to focus around him. It was a, he was a very, he was a very attractive man. And it's the 90s, too. I mean, he had, like, the frosted tips and the blue eyes. And so it's like even, like, if it was a different generation, it wouldn't have been the same. But it was like the Bieber in the Bieber era, and he just had it going on. And he was a Spider-Man with flips. And I just, I, I, I don't know if, if this is a confession, but I wish I could do flips. I can't. I'm in, in, inept at that. I'm inept at a lot of things. I'm not a good uh, direction person. I'm really bad at... Um, Square dancing, like everybody gets it, but I don't get it. I'm handicapped at that. And the flipping at Gravitopia, he's just flipping. He can flip like Spider-Man. And so uh, at camp, he was like trying to teach us how to flip. And uh, he called it the duck and roll. He was like, you just duck and you just roll. You just duck and you just roll. It's real easy. You just duck and you just roll. And so he got up there and every, all the kids, like all the girls and stuff are like, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. And I'm telling you, this dude off of this 10-foot dive probably flipped five times over. And looked like, it just looked like Mortal Kombat. Like he looked like he was flipping around like the screen and just flipping. And I got up there and I just told myself, I mean, I'm following the best. I'm going to be the best. If I follow this guy, he's the best. I can do the best. I'll just do what he does and I'll be the best. And I jumped off the thing and mine was called more of a flip and fall. I split my lip open. There's blood all over the pool. They had to like put a little like chemical in it to clean it out. I split my t-shirt. I had a t-shirt on. If I didn't, who knows? I would have had to have surgery. It split the T-shirt right, right back in half. I just ducked and dropped. That's all that I did. There was no flipping. I was just dropping to my shame in front of everybody. 
We all have people that are conscious, unconsciously competent. They, they, just, they just do stuff. They just have the it factor. They just sit down in front of the piano. They can just sing. They can just play basketball. And they think that everything's easy. It's not easy. And you just want to be like, dude, it's not easy. And they're like, it's just easy, dude. Just play the guitar. Just hum it. And just play what you hear. And you're like, no, nobody can do that. That's just what you can do. I can't do that. There's people that can just do things that you can't do, and they're, consci- they're unconsciously competent. They can just do it, and it's just like in their sleep they can do these things. And it's all, you know, funny and fun and games, you know, like what it has to do with, you know, playing poker or, you know, hobbies and guitar and singing and doing flips and things like that. Um, what, what does get frustrating um, is when it has to do with not just hobbies but actual, like, real things in life. I don't know if you're like me. But sometimes it feels like the struggles that you're going through are not being struggled by other people around you. And it feels like everyone's graduating past you, and you feel like you're stuck in third grade. I don't know if I'm alone on this, but you feel like everyone else has the secret, but somehow you didn't get the secret, that, that, that people aren't struggling with anxiety the way that you have. And you have this anxiety, and, and it, it holds you in your sleep, and you can't get around it, you can't get over it, you can't read through it, you can't seem to, to beat it, and, and you've gone to all the things and learned all the things and trying to take all the advice, and, and it, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything, and faithfulness doesn't cause fruitfulness, and it doesn't cause, cause results, and, and, and there's people out there, and it's like their finances just kind of work, and it feels like you're doing the same things as they're doing. That's the thing that's annoying about it. It's not that you've given up trying. It's that you are doing the same things as other people are doing and, and not seeing the fruit of the things that they're, they're seeing fruit in. And their kids don't act like your kids. They don't act like your kids. Your kids are crazy. Their kids, they wake up and they're just doing what they're supposed to be doing on, just, they just do it. They just go, just go, kids. Just go and do all the things that you're supposed to be doing. And your kids don't do that. They don't, they don't do the same things and they're crazy. And, they're, and, and your marriages don't work the way that their marriage does. And, and, you, and it's all that's within you as you go through that Instagram feed and you see that picture and you're like, my marriage doesn't act like that. It doesn't act like that. It doesn't react that way. It doesn't respond that way. It takes me 10 times more work to get one, one-tenth of the fruitfulness of this thing. This is the frustration is not just the being stuck, but it's the loneliness in being stuck and the loneliness of being in struggle when other people aren't struggling with things. And, and in that, we, we look for somewhere to turn. We look for somebody with answers because, listen, everybody has advice, Right? Like, everybody has advice for what we should be doing. Everybody has an idea about why, why we're not in motion and why we're stuck and why we're not getting to the place that we want to get to and why they're thriving and we're struggling. Everyone has advice, but it seems so hard to get the answers we're looking for. It seems so hard to, to, to find somebody that actually has the answers, that has authority and and, and we see sometimes it's like in the Instagram age and in the social media age, we can like get access to some of these voices, you know, these church leaders, let's say, or, you know, these moms that have written books or these dads that have beaten this or these people that have experienced this breakthrough or healing or these people that have this, you know, teaching or yoke of, of, of financial stability. And we can, we can see them, but, but there's no, Donald Miller says it this way, we don't just need people with authority, but we need people with empathy. That, that can understand where we're coming from. And we can't get access to these people. And so there's this distant, you know, horizon of, of like window shopping of all these people around us and all these people ahead of us and all these people that have written all these books of people that seem to be able 
to get unstuck, but we stay stuck. And, and we, need, we need a voice. We need somebody that, that has an answer for us, that, that, that has authority on the thing, and it doesn't just talk about the thing, but can do the thing. And, can, and not only just that can do the thing, but we can get access to, that we can ask them the question, that we can get the answer. And so, so few and far between that we actually get access to sometimes to some of these people. And I don't know if you've been there before, but there's no empathy because it's like the person that is at the place that they're at has never been in the place that you're at. And they don't know what it's like to, to have that gap, to have that barrier, to have that burden. They have gifts in the place that you have weaknesses. They have endowments in the places that you have poverty. They have you know, a fresh start where you're stuck in yesterday's news. Like, they, they can't empathize. They have authority, but they don't have empathy. And so, in Jesus' day, when, when Jesus came into the scene in Matthew, and we're going to be in Matthew 4, I would encourage you to, to read along with us and, and journal even throughout the week. Kind of a chapter a week is the pace that I'd recommend. You're going to see in Matthew 4 the entrance of Jesus um, in a couple of places. First and foremost, Jesus um, is tested in the wilderness, starting in chapter 4. Uh, he announces the kingdom of heaven in the second movement of chapter 4. Uh, he calls his first disciples, starting in verse 18. He heals um, sick people in the beginning of, of verse 23. Jesus enters the scene, and in in a context where there were many yokes, there were many teachers, there were many people with advice, there was a lot of books in the self-help aisle, there's a lot of YouTube channels with how-tos, there was a lot of people that had advice. The scripture says that Jesus came in and he spoke with an authority that others' advice didn't have, that he had a sense of empathy, that he had a sense of an answer to every person that would come to him. And that, that, that authority was tested in the desert. It wasn't just like, believe me, I, I have authority, take my word for it, that you can trust my authority. No, it's like the, the author wants you to know that Jesus proves his authority, that the Holy Spirit opened heaven when he was baptized and spoke in a loud voice, this is my son, he is the promised Messiah. There is no other, there's no mistake, this is the one, you'd have to look no, no further it wasn't just this kind of pedigree that propelled Jesus into his ministry. He's led into the, into the desert, and in all of the places where everyone else failed and everyone else couldn't meet up and everyone else's answers fell short and everyone else's authority found its limitation, Jesus was tempted and didn't sin in the desert. His authority wasn't just assumed or privileged. It was proven in the desert. And he comes out of that thing and he makes the proclamation of this proven authority. He says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I've come to bring the kingdom of heaven. And anybody that hears it can repent and, and hear the good news and come towards the good news. And it's not just talk, it is power. Like in that day, the lepers, which the first person that Jesus ever healed was a leper. The lepers were people that when they walked down the street, you would know they were coming because the word you would hear continually as a leper come down the street, the, the pronouncement of this is unclean, unclean, unclean. There's such a contagiousness of this disease that socially and, and, and medically that the society had, had, had outcasted the leper to announce their coming by labeling the sickness that they had, labeling them the sickness that they were. And instead of what would have been sick people touching sick people, 
what would have been infected people, touching infected people, that the sick would cause an unsick person to become sick. Rather, Jesus would be a clean person to touch unclean people and make them clean. He wasn't just a person of authority in talk. He was a person of authority in action and ability and in power. And so, and so Jesus... In verse 28, we're going to kind of go to the end of of chapter 7. As I said, this is just an overview. Jesus was recognized for his authority. It says in chapter 7, verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, teaching the Sermon on the Mount, the crowd, it says, was amazed at not only his teaching, but his ministry. Like who he was was amazing. It drew crowds of people. And they were amazed at what he had to say because he taught with one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law did. Some of us preachers can learn from Jesus. His his sermons averaged 12 minutes. He'd be done by now. Y'all would all be saved. We'd all go home, watch football. Like, Like, he didn't, you understand, like, he didn't use notes. I mean, we're talking, and, and, and we're talking about, like, thousands of years of history and chronology and scripture, and he knew it like the back of his hand. No PowerPoints. He just, he, he was the law incarnate, the word made flesh, and he, he spoke with this kind of authority. He knew what the thing was saying. He didn't just memorize what it said. He knew what it was saying, and he could explain it to a child. Like, uh, what is it, Einstein says, like, if you really understand something, you could explain it to a kid. Like, he could explain it to a child, to an illiterate, like poor, unsophisticated person, a backwoods person. His teaching, which, which most law teachers, that they couldn't teach other law teachers what they were saying. He could teach a child in 12 minutes. This is how deep and wide Jesus was. And he had this authority, but not just the authority of word, but of power. He would touch the unclean and make them clean. He was tempted, but he didn't sin. And here's the best part. As people got closer to them, they were more amazed at what they saw. He wasn't a Wizard of Oz leader behind the curtain. Everybody can say something great at some point. If you wrote in your Evernote enough, you know, and practice your speech long enough, maybe you could say something. But as they got closer to Jesus, he was even more real. He was even more authentic. He had even more authority. He had an answer to every question. He had empathy for every person in front of him. He, he, he... He was, he was the authority that, that was lacking in all the other rabbis. It says they were amazed at the authority because no other teacher had what he had. But the thing that I want us to look at, and really it's a theme that will carry us throughout the entire January through June, is not just the authority of Jesus, the ability to teach, the ability to heal, cast out demons to make the unclean clean. This is, this is not really what has struck me and amazed me as I've read, read this this book, this uh, last couple of months. It's not just the authority and ability, and, and I struggled for a word for this because I don't even know if there is a word because I don't know if anybody but Jesus can do this or be this. But I wrote this down in my notes that Jesus didn't just have authority and ability, but he had the power and the authority to transmit authority and ability to other people. He was not only able to do things that nobody else could do, he could get other people to do things they couldn't do. In other words, he didn't just have authority of like, I'm killing it up here on the guitar. I'm in B-sharp diminished craziness and I'm just killing it on the guitar. Like, come and watch me do stuff. Like, that's the floor for Jesus. Like, 
the thing, the thing about Jesus, he didn't just practice authority and have people watch his ability. He had the ability to raise up ability in the people around him to do things that are impossible. This just blows my mind. And so this is where we'll camp out today, at least in Matthew 4, chapter, uh, verse 18. It says, And Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And so, uh, any, any, just historical context, anybody that would have been you know, reading this in that current day would have known this was a very audacious invitation that Jesus is offering these two brothers. I mean, these dudes are just kind of marginalized, hillbilly, kind of just by the wayside people that are fishermen, common folk, probably not super literate or, or educated. We know that the process of discipleship, of following a rabbi, as I was talking about earlier, was a highly stringent and strict process, and it only allowed for the elite, the best of the best, to follow rabbis. You had to memorize the first five books of the Bible. By the time you're like eight, you had to know how to apply them. By the time you're in like middle school, I mean, this is just an incredible feat that somebody would have to do in order to be privileged enough to follow in the footsteps of any rabbi, let alone the rabbi that everybody's talking about. And Jesus comes in and says to these fishermen, and we know because they're fishermen that they were not the best of the best, that they were the leftovers, they were the JV squad, they were the second-class citizens of the day. Jesus offers them not just to come and watch the show, but to come and follow him. This is what it says, come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. So this is the picture is that these guys are not the best, the best, the elite, the Harvard, Ivy League, you know, uh, 1600 or whatever it is they count on the SAT these days, the SAT scores. These are not the leaders of tomorrow. These are the people that everybody crosses the street doesn't you know, want to talk to or associate with. These are the kind of people that are not the highest class citizens. And Jesus says, not only I want you to get a front row ticket to my concert, I want you to be on stage. I want you to play this with me. I want you to follow with me. I want you to do what I can do. And so this is the difference between every other rabbi and every other yoke and every other teacher of their day and our day and Jesus is that Jesus is not just showing people what he can do. He's introducing them to what they can do. He's not asking people to be fans. He's asking them to be followers. He's not only demonstrating authority, he's transmitting authority and power. And he's saying, you can have what I have and you can do what I can do. When I go and walk on water, when I go and teach this sermon, when I go and care for this person, when I go and cast out this demon, when I go and, and walk in authority, I'm not demonstrating what only I can do and you can't do. I'm trying to communicate what you can do because of me. I'm going to transmit my authority. I'm going to transmit my ability to who you are. And so flashing forward into a passage we'll, we'll read later, Peter is 16 on the boat. Jesus performs the greatest miracle, in my opinion, in all of the Bible, one of the greatest miracles that, that we see physically, at least. And the invitation doesn't stop at, come watch me. The invitation isn't, applaud as I go do what you can't do. Peter, Peter is in the mantra, the, the, the pattern, like the, 
if, this, if, if everything keeps going the way that it's always gone, because I'm supposed to do all the things that the rabbi's doing, I can do what he's doing. And Peter makes the audacious, uh, 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 the audacious request to Jesus, audacious invitation, can I walk on the water with you? And this is the picture that we see of what true biblical discipleship is, not just believing, but following, doing what Jesus did, having what Jesus had. Jesus says, come out in the water, and Peter walks on water. Jesus says to him in a conversation, Peter, your name is Simon, but I'm going to call you Petra. And your shoulders are 40 inch for the waistcoat that you're about to wear. And they look the same today as they will tomorrow. But on your shoulders, what you can't see, but I do see, I'm going to build the church on your shoulders. You're an everyday poor average uh, fisherman who had nothing to do and nowhere to go when I found you, and I'm going to use your shoulders to build my church. And he was not joking. He meant it. When Pentecost came, Jesus uh, has died. He's resurrected. The Holy Spirit falls on Pentecost in Peter's first sermon. Although he was terrified to preach to a middle school girl when he betrayed Jesus in the earlier chapters, by the end of Acts chapter 2, he is proclaiming the gospel to see thousands of people. He's preaching the gospel to thousands of people in the face of fear of man to see thousands of people be born again. This is the power of Jesus. Is Jesus didn't just come to show. Jesus came to invite. Jesus didn't just come to, to tell us or be what we can't be, but to show us and tell us what we can be. This is the sermon in a sentence. Jesus didn't come to show the disciples what they couldn't do. He came to show us what we can do in him. So this is you. This is you. This is, this is where we are. He, he, Peter was a fisherman, but, but you're not. I don't think there are any fishermen in the room, but there are stay-at-home moms in this room. There are, I love it, tree men that work in this, in this church. There are lawyers that work in this church. There are, there are repo men that work in this church. There are teachers, and there are singers and dancers and photographers for human rights in this church. There are yoga instructors in this church. There are, there are computer programmers and graphic designers and architects in this church. And for each and every profession, whoever you are, wherever you are, Jesus is meeting us in that place and saying, wherever you are, whoever you are, you can have what I have and you can do what I do. On Monday through Friday, you can have what I have and you can do what I do. Your world, the advice column, the YouTubes and the self-help books say, that you don't have what it takes, you gotta go do something or be somewhere or change your name or be something different to, to have what you want, but what you want is in me and you can already have, you can have what I have and you can do what I do. Through small faith, through small yes, through small request of my invitation, you can, you can have for free what I have, you could do what I do. There's people in this church, there's people in this room, including myself, that have done worse than betray Jesus three times. And to those in this room that, that struggle with addiction, that have sinned in all the types of ways that we've sinned, that have gone through marital struggle and have hurt their spouse, those in the room that are divorced on second marriages and third marriages and fourth marriages, those that have experienced abortion, Jesus said, I didn't choose you because of qualifications. I choose you because of ability, of availability, not ability. And you can have what I have and you can do what I do. I'm not done with your life yet. 
and I want to use you. I don't want you to, to move. I don't want you to go and be somebody else. I want to use you. And I called you. I'm going to use your shoulders too. I'm going to build the church on your, your shoulders. You don't believe it? I believe in you. If you don't believe in you, I believe in you. And more than that, I believe in the Holy Spirit in you. So wherever you are and whoever you are, you say, well, I'm shy and, you know, I'm not the leader personality. And that's, that's for somebody else to do. I'll be the fan. I'll let somebody else follow. I'll be the fan of the follower of Jesus. That's, that's good for me. It's good, Jesus. I'm going to be the fan. I'll be on the fan club, the booster club. No, no. I, I want you. I want to use you. I want you to follow me. You can, you can have what I have, and you can do what I do. I've made you that way, and that's, that's the power of the Holy Spirit, not to pick the capable, but the available. Not the qualified, but the unqualified, so I can qualify them. This is, this, is, this is the difference, you understand? There's a power. Like, there's people that have answers. They're hard to get access to, and oftentimes they don't have the empathy to give you the answer that you need, but Jesus has every answer and has every authority and every name under this earth will answer to his name, but he doesn't just have authority and ability. He has the transferability to give you ability and authority that you can have what he has and do what he does. And so this is the exercise. Like as you get into Matthew this week, and I want to invite you just to read a chapter a week and just get started. Maybe you read two verses and that was your chapter. And the next week you start the next chapter, but just read the chapter. You get done with it, start over, but get into Matthew 4. And this is the thing. I want us to, to pay attention to. Jesus' authority, it'll be on screen, is distinct from every other because it doesn't just counsel us, it changes us. When you read, if you, like if you put the Bible next to a book written by Oprah, they might have some of the same themes. Oprah might say, let's forgive people. That, that might be in there. There are two books, they might have the same themes, but only one of them has power. Only one of them can actually change your ability. Like, there's good advice, and then there's people that can change you. There's power that can change you through the resurrection of Jesus. And, and we're not here for good advice. We're here for power. We're here for change. We're here for inner transformation. So I want to I tell you that as you open up your Bible to whatever chapter it is, if you read, if you're not interested in doing Matthew 4, that's whatever. But if you get into the Scripture, those Scriptures are not just good advice. They're not just counseling you. Those are words that are living and acting, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and they are changing you from the inside out. And so let's say you're on Monday, right? And so you read about Jesus going into the desert and he's being tempted. And everything in you says, well, the gospel says I'm a sinner saved by grace. And so these are all the things that Jesus can do to prove that I can't do them, that I need him to just pay for my sins so I go to heaven and I don't get in trouble. But that's not Holy Spirit theology. That's not follow me theology. That's just believe theology. But Jesus didn't ask for believers. He asked for followers. And he asked us to do what he does and have what he has. And so when I read this, there's two things that happen. One is I'm saying, I can't do this. But then Jesus says, but with me, you can. This is the encounter that we have every morning. I can't beat the temptation of lust. That's correct. Jesus was tempted the way that we're tempted with appetite. He says, turn the stone into bread. He's tempted with ambition. He's tempted with the fear of man and the proof of others. He's not just tempted. He's just not tempted. Like he's righteous because he's never tempted. No, he can empathize with everything the scripture says because he was tempted, but he never sinned. And so when we read this thing, what the scripture is telling us is you can't do that. That's correct. But now you can. You couldn't do that without me, but now you can. Before you sat down to read this scripture, before you sat down and you, didn't, you, you weren't responding in obedience to the living and active word of God, you couldn't do things, but now because you can hear him, you can. 
On Tuesday, you're gonna read about Jesus prophesying light in a dark place, and you're gonna feel like I'm just darkness adding to darkness. I'm just an echo in the midst of echoes, and he's saying, you were, but now you're not. Now you're light. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the, of the, of the world. On, on Wednesday, you're gonna read about Jesus healing the leper, and you say, I've never even met a leper before, let alone healed one. He's gonna say, if you ever meet somebody that's sick, I want you to pray for them. You couldn't cause healing. You couldn't uh, ask for the kingdom of heaven to come into a body to do, that an unclean person would be clean, but now you can because of the power of the Holy Spirit. On Thursday, you're going to read about Jesus making a disciple, and some of us are saying, I've never made a disciple in my life. I don't know if I want somebody to copy me. And he's saying, yes, without me, you couldn't make a disciple, but with me, yes, you can. And on Friday, and then he gets into the, the, the Sermon on the Mount and talking about loving your enemies. This is why I believe that the road to following Jesus, he says, is narrow because there are so many people that say, I can't. And then there's so many people also that say, I can. There's two different types of people that fall to the left or the right of this narrow road, I believe. And he's saying, some people look at that scripture and this whole Bible is just a bunch of stuff that I can't do, so Jesus has to pay for, for it. And I kind of sit here and I'm thankful that I don't get punished for this. And that's part of the story. But the other part of the story is he's trying to say, these are things that you can't do, but with me you can do. So there's very few people that say this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can, he came not for me to just be a fan, to be a follower. I can do what he does and have what he has. He says in the scriptures, I didn't come here to lower the bar. I came here to raise it. You've heard it said to not commit murder. I've heard it, I've, I'm teaching you today, don't even let the word idiot come out of your mouth when somebody takes your parking spot because it's equal to murder. He says no one gets into the kingdom of heaven if they're not more righteous than the Pharisee. He didn't come to lower the bar. He came to raise the bar and then raise us up to it with the power of his Holy Spirit. And so every time we encounter his word, we have a, a, like a two-step repentance process that says, I can't do this, but you can in me. I couldn't do this before your cross, but because of your cross, your death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me, now I can. He came not to show us what we can't do. He came to show us what we can do. So I want to invite you this week to read through just Matthew 4 and journal some of your thoughts. There's an intentional question each week that I would love for you to take a picture of with your phone. It'll be on the screen and maybe talk with somebody close to you and that loves you enough to lead you to Jesus as you talk and process out loud. But this is the question you could consider for this week and we'll have one every week. What are you learning to do that you couldn't do without Jesus? What are you learning to do that you know, according to logic, according to reason, according to history, and past, you can't do this thing. You've never been able to do this thing, and Jesus has called you to do this thing. I'm not talking about, you know, fly. <laughs> I'm talking about things that he's asked you to do. Like Jesus, like Peter didn't walk on the water until Jesus asked him, and what made uh, Peter authorized to do that was the borrowed authority from Jesus to ask him to come out to the water. So what is it that Jesus is asking you to do that you're learning that you couldn't do without him? I want to invite everybody to stand as we close in worship, and um, and for the next good while, I want to close each, each time we gather, at least let's say in the first segment of this uh, series, with a gospel moment. And um, one of the things that I think is just so important of why we gather, as I said, why don't we stay in the car and why don't we um, kind of practice individualized faith and just hang out with our friends and, and not come to corporate church the way that we are today. And one of those things is that the church is the place that we can proclaim the gospel together, the hope of the gospel. And so every time I just want to proclaim this, and um, if this is new news to you, then it's something that is good news to you. And if it's old news to you, it's also something that's good news to you. And so this is just something that I want to celebrate as we close in the service, and we're going to cut the service short. Yeah?
Um, but this is what's true about you and this is what's true about me today. The gospel is the good news that Jesus came to rescue us from spiritual death into spiritual life. Amen? Is that good? We're not, we're, not, we're not handing out good advice. We're handing out good news. In our lives, what it is that we do every day when we have what Jesus has and walked as Jesus walked, we're not giving people a better way to live. We're giving them power to move from death to life. And so this is what the gospel is. I put it in a sentence that Jesus loves us and he died for our sins, that through faith we can have close relationship with him, that you would know him and he would know you and you would speak to him. You would never be alone because of that. And with God and live with him for eternity. Amen. Jesus, I thank you for your gospel that's alive in this room. That's not just a word of logic, but it's an exchange of power. I thank you that the cross means something. It's not just an icon, but it's a change in history, a change in spiritual government. And so I thank you that that government is called the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so we repent, and we move towards, and we change, and we respond, and we listen to that kingdom. And so if Monday through Friday, sun up to sundown, covered in the dust, between Sundays, God, I just ask that you would guide us with your spirit. And would you awaken, just as I've, I've sensed the scripture calling us to do to start this series off, that when we come to impossible situations and places that it seems like we're stuck and everybody else has a get-out-of-jail-free get card, that, God, we wouldn't turn to the other advice columns, but we'd turn to your authority. And not just trust that you have good advice, but trust that you have power for that advice. And you're not going to change the circumstance, you're going to change us. And so, God, when we come in contact with your word, I thank you, it's living and active and that we're going to leave change. We're going to have the ability to do something after we have an encounter with your word that 10 seconds before we did not have an ability to do because of your truth that's living and active. So I thank you for your Holy Spirit that, that is guiding us, that is protecting us and overseeing us, and we love you. And uh, we are so, so excited to see the adventure of the kingdom unfold as we follow you step-by-step step every uh, day of the week. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, bless you guys. Happy New Year. Sorry to go so long and cut out worship. We at City Lights are so grateful to have worshiped with you today. We are a church that exists to be followers of Jesus who are devoted to building family, blessing neighborhoods, and bringing good news to the nations. For more information on our church, visit our website at www.citylights.cc and give us a follow on Instagram or Facebook. We hope you can join us again soon.